Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, my gambling pal, House. And we are going to be running through this entire Week 9 NFL slate. There's a lot of teams on buys, but there are still some really good betting opportunities, in my opinion, for this card. I'm looking forward to hearing what House has lined up that he likes. I'll give my feedback on that. And at the end, we're going to shout out somebody who's bet that house likes the most you guys get the drill by now you reply to the tweet i send out a tweet give us your favorite nfl bet for sunday house goes through those is going to pick one that he likes the most he's going to put his hard-earned dollars on this bet and he's going to make somebody famous by shouting you out on the podcast so we'll get that get to that at the end of the segment but uh house how are you feeling right now where we're at we're halfway through the nfl season i know you got some updates here on how teasers have been doing for us, but what are some of your thoughts right here halfway through the season? Yeah, Sharpie, we're kicking off week nine, halfway through the season. It's a skinny slate, which is, I think, kind of the way we want to be at the beginning of November, because as you know, November, one of my favorite months of the entire year, there, there are only a, a couple rivals for November, that, that it's time to start eating. I mean, we're really going to start feasting over the, the course of this month. Culminating with the beautiful Thanksgiving we we have planned, including some special things planned right here on this podcast, the Ringer Gambling Show. We're going to be doing some eating that week, Sharpie. But you know, for a skinny week, we look for certain opportunities, and it's kind of weird this the way this 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 one lines up. We have a handful of games um, where we're double digit favorites. That's the Last night, the Eagles were 13-point favorites against Houston. The the Sharps um, all collected on that one. I think a lot of sharp money came in late, it seemed like. 
uh, on Houston with that one. A couple other blowout lines. The Bills minus 11 and a half of the Jets and the Chiefs minus 11 and a half home against the Titans. But then there's a ton of games at three points or less this week as we sit here. We're taping Friday morning. And for a square like me, a, a slate like that just cries out, you know, teaser. Teaser legs all over the place. Well, you know, we went through some math over the weekend. You and me and our our good buddy, the Podfather, we were kind of looking at the results into going into week eight of how your your sort of conventional teaser, uh, the Wong teaser, and that's the the basic outline where you're looking at games that are either eight and a half to seven and a half favorites, so you can tease through seven and three down, or one and a half to two and a half. Uh, uh, dogs that you can tease up to seven and a half or eight and a half. And you shared with us that the, the favorites teased down have been abysmal going into week eight. There were four, seven and one, not many instances of it. Um, and then the dogs of one and a half to two and a half that you're teasing up to seven and a half or eight and a half, only 16 and eight through the first seven weeks. That's a 62% success rate, but that's not enough to cover the juice on the teaser legs, right? Correct. Yes, you got to hit 74% on your te- on each teaser leg to combine them together to beat minus 120 juice that you're betting on the full uh, teaser. And so this season has been abysmal for teasers. The, Wong, the standard Wong teasers have been abysmal. And I have found much better success over the last several weeks. This is, look, I'll d- just, just get on my soapbox here. Every single season is different. If you try to bet every single NFL season the same way that you always do, you're not going to win very much. You're going to maximize your bankroll if you spy trends or spy things that you can capture. You can jump on them before the market adjusts or you can take advantage of them and you ride them out and then get off of them right as it's the most opportune time to get off of them so you don't get screwed into the future. Having computer models definitely helps uh, with doing that from the totals perspective, what I found. Uh, But if you're betting teasers and they're not working, don't be a dumbass and keep betting teasers. Understand why aren't they working? What is going on here? And then stop fucking betting teasers and figure <laughs> out another way to attack the board. It just is mind boggling. You you hear people talk about like, well, I'm picking, here's my teaser one and here's my teaser two. And I like these two teasers each week and they keep losing. And then like, well, we're back at it. These things haven't had much success, but let's try it again. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing with your money? You guys just don't care at all that you keep losing. So you have to make adjustments, which is why, you know, I I've I haven't sent out a teaser to my clients. I haven't bet a teaser for a couple of weeks now, I think. Uh, and I'm having much more success betting dogs, putting taking them on the spread and putting a little on the money line. And I'm not going to change doing that in, in any time in the near future. Uh, if the teasers win, great. I'm not going to be betting these fucking things for a little while because I'm having more success betting, you know, totals and betting ATS and betting dogs on the money line. So one thing you you did note, um, and this feeds right into your observation there, um, there is a type of underdog that's been crushing this season. The underdogs from four points upwards, and especially in that four point to to ten point range, like three and a half up to up to ten. And this is borne out. You know, I've been seeing this. Um, the Action Network guys have been you know touting this uh, as it's developed over the season. Underdogs between three and ten 
points are now 41 and 21 against the spread this season. So just playing those dogs are covering 66% of the time. Um, and there is an incredible uh, straight up number for them. They're 25, 36 and one straight up. And that's, you know, a, a giant return on investment at that rate. So, you know, that that's the area of, of opportunity potentially having said all that there are a couple legs this week that i absolutely love for for potential teasers <laughs> but i think we should just sort of jump into the, the slate and this is a slate that that to me did not have uh any particular sexiness to it um the marquee game i guess was supposed to have been the rams and and tampa uh super bowl defenders against Super Bowl contenders, but both teams have been just mediocre at best all season long. We had some indication that these teams were going to be in tough straights because of, especially with the Bucks, what happened to them on the offensive line. And the same thing, the Rams came in a tiny bit dinged up and a Rams team without a ton of, of, of depth. The Bucks have lost five of the last six. The Rams have lost three of the last four. Neither one of those teams is as good as people anticipated them being. Tampa Bay's defense has been a disappointment. The Rams' offense has been super reliant on Cooper Cup. And we're waiting, I think, with bated breath on whether or not Cooper Cup is going to play in this game. Do we do we have an injury update on Cup yet? I think he's playing. He's definitely okay. playing, in my opinion. He did not practice Wednesday, got in a limited Thursday. That's always a great sign to indicate to me that he's going to play. Um, I would be betting on the fact that he does play. So the Rams are three-point underdogs at Tampa, like just a conventional Tampa's at home. Let's let, let they're they're favored by three. The totals 42 and a half. The only play that I might consider here is an under, and that's just based on how moribund these offenses have been all season long. You had a tweet earlier this morning speaking of moribund offenses, ab about the predicament that Tampa has continually put itself in with third down, a, a type of futility we haven't seen in over 20 years, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Look, coaching is so big in the NFL, and it is mind-boggling. You have a guy like Byron Leftwich get up there. He has no fucking clue what EPA is. He acts like he knows how to utilize play action the best. Well, play action is doesn't do, I forget his exact quote, something to the effect of, if you use play action and you have no run game, then play action isn't going to do anything. Like, just, just pulling this shit out of your ass like you know, like you've tested it and you know, and you've gone through all the work. Look, I, this guy's coached and played in more NFL games than I will obviously ever, knows more about football than I do. But I can tell you right now that you don't know as much as we do about play action usage. And you don't know as much as we do about what you're doing on first downs. Right now, this team is converting third and long. First of all, they get forced into third and long, which is seven plus yards to go. They get forced into third and long, seventh most in the NFL right now. This offense is facing the seventh most third and longs. And in those third and longs, they've had 50 of them 
they've converted only five into first downs. Five out of 50. That's 10%. It's the worst in the NFL this season. And not only is it the worst in the NFL this season, it's the worst in the NFL since at least 2000 for any team in any season. And that's only because that's as far as I can go back with the data from True Media. So it's absurd how as you said, futile this offense is on third and longs. So the goal, the sole focus must be, we got to avoid these at all costs. We got to be more efficient on early downs. I just, I just don't know. Like it's, there's not very many excuses here. This team has a healthy Mike Evans. They have a healthy Chris Godwin. They've got backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, they've got other receivers that they can utilize. Like this is not as if this team has no talent there. I know their offensive line isn't as good as what it's been, but it's still not one of the worst offensive, the very worst offensive lines in the NFL. No, this this team has Tom Brady. He's not playing at his peak, but he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL. So like you cannot tell me with all the weapons that they currently have in their current state right now, understanding that some of these guys are past their prime, that this team should be as dog shit as they are on offense it's only because of the coaching, in my opinion, that they find themselves in this predicament. Would they have been better if Bruce Arians was still a lot more involved and Brady was talking to Arians and then Leftwich got involved too? Is Brady deferring too much to Leftwich and like, ah, this might be my last year. I got other shit going on at home. Like the, my life is fucked up right now. Like you just tell me what to do and we'll go out and execute it. Why isn't Brady taking more authority here and doing what he like? He knows he sucks on third and long. He knows he gets under pressure. He knows he doesn't have the arm to throw it perfectly down the field as deep. Like, how does he not realize that and say, Leftwich, fucking let's get third downs converted. Let's convert first downs on early downs, right? Let's stop getting into these third and long situations. Let's figure out how to be more efficient on early downs. I don't know what they're doing down there, but I do know this. The Rams suck at getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They actually ranked dead last this season. I know that is a surprise, but it's true. That should bode well for the Bucs offense, but the fact is the Bucs have just played number 30 Atlanta, number 29 Pittsburgh, number 16 Carolina, and number 27 Baltimore. All That's where those teams rank in pressure rate, and Brady hasn't been good. So, I mean, I don't know. And then on the other side of the ball, that offense is struggling as well. They can't run the football whatsoever, just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't. Um, they all of a sudden went massively pass heavy last game, did the LA Rams. I don't know if that's something that's a new direction, like coming out of the bye, or it was just a situation where they didn't have a lot of confidence in their running backs because, you know, Cam Akers wasn't there. Daryl Henderson was limited with an illness most of the week. And so they had some guys maybe that they didn't trust. Are they going to try to run the ball more here? Are they going to go back to their to the pass that they were doing in week eight because week six and week five, right before their bye, they were only 33% pass on first half first downs. And then last week they were up at 69%. So it's totally night and day different. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how Sean McVay is going to approach this. I do know that after getting your ass kicked by your, you had two weeks to prepare for the San Francisco 49ers and they're your hated rival, and they beat you every single regular season, you have a chance to get up on them in the division, and then you get curb stomped by the 49ers once again. Kyle takes you know, Sean McVay to the woodshed once again during the regular season, like clockwork. Uh, now you're going to bounce back against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I, I, don't, I don't know, but now it's Tampa who's got extra rest because they played last Thursday. They got to figure it out offensively. Tough Handicap in this one, House. Tough handicap, in my opinion.
So that means stay away from from the total. Even there's nothing about the forty two and a half that captures your fancy. Well, what direction were you looking? Under. I mean, you know, the unders are the are the way of the season. I haven't seen anything out of either one of those offenses that that you know scares me. I don't see any explosive plays. Um, you know, over the last several weeks out of either offense, um, that, that suggests that, you know, they go blazing through, but 42 and a half just might, might maybe a tiny bit too sharp. Yeah. I mean, look, the one crazy thing about this series is, uh, they played four times, I think since, uh, since 2019, all four games sailed over the total. Uh, in many cases it was not close. And we're talking like the lowest score was 27 to 24. We've had 30, 27, 34, 24, 55, 40. I know these offenses aren't anywhere close to what they were in 2020 or 2019, but the two games last year that they played, uh, the winning team had 30 in each and the losing team had at least 24. So this is a super low total and it seems too easy to go over it. There has been some sharp money betting this thing over, but the total really hasn't moved all that much. You know, the total was at 42 is what these guys were betting the over at. And we're still at 42 and a half. Like this fucking thing didn't even go to 43. And some of the sharp groups were betting it. So, um, yeah, I I would not be running to the window to to bet the over here, even though that's what those guys are betting. So this one is a stay away uh, altogether, I think, for both of us. Uh, We have a division... Uh, leader matchup uh, with a game of of mild interest, I guess. Kansas City coming off a bye week is home hosting uh, Tennessee. The, the injury report suggests that Tannehill's going to play. What, what's your latest on that? I don't know. I okay. still have no idea what we're going to get if we are going to get Tannehill. I feel like it's too soon for him to come back. Yeah. Well, the, and and if there is a spot where you could see Tennessee saying, all right, let's just take our lumps. This, to me, would be the the spot. I mean, Kansas City has all the advantages of coming in off the bye. The last time we saw them, they were absolutely, you know, hitting on all cylinders in terms of the offense, the explosive plays. Um, the Titans, you know, ground out a, 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 a big W last week uh, on the ground against the completely befuddled Houston Texans who knew that all that Tennessee wanted to do was run the football. And then they let Derrick Henry go ahead and run the football for over 200 yards. Okay. Uh, I can't come up with a script that has Tennessee losing by less than the 11 and a half that they're, that the Kansas city's favored by which suggests to me another reason to stay away. Favorites of seven or more this season are now 10 and 18 against the spread. Uh, do you have any any leans, any angles on this Kansas City-Tennessee matchup? So the Kansas City Chiefs went to the AFC Championship game last year, right? Yes. They also played the Tennessee Titans last year. Do you remember what the score was against the Tennessee Titans last year? I don't. Would you be shocked if I told you it was 27 to 3? I would not be shocked. Would you be shocked if I told you that the Titans were the ones who won the game 27 to 3? I would not be shocked. So the Titans won this game last year 27 to 3. It is not in Mike Vrabel's DNA to, I forget the terminology you just used, uh, to to take their lumps. It's like a Um, schedule loss. Yeah, yeah, that that that's not in this guy's DNA. That does not compute with him. 
Um, I saw a quote come out from Justin Simmons, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Simmons, their defensive lineman, who basically said, I see no difference in this line compared to what we played last year. I think we're going to do the same type of thing against these guys that we did last year. I feel very confident in our unit's ability to get after them and to slow this team down. I mean, that's some bold talk right there. I mean, part of me is like, well, what do you want him to say? But the other part is like, there's a little way to be politically correct and not have to say too much that could make bulletin board material. And he just laid it all out there, basically said that we held you guys to three points last year. More of that is coming this way. Um, I think the Titans are going to come in here with their best effort. They are obviously massively limited offensively, but if they can run the football, I mean, it's just, it makes no sense that the Titans should be winning some of these games, but somehow they are winning them. Um, I would not be laying the points on the full game with the Kansas City Chiefs, but I have not bet the game. So I have not run to the counter to bet the Titans either. Um, it's, it's, yeah. We know what the Titans are going to do here. It's can the Chiefs stop them? And then how good is this Chiefs offense going to perform against a defense that knows them pretty well? Um, and I still think that the upside here would be Titans can get after the quarterback a little bit. The Titans are decent against the run. You got to throw the football on these guys. The short passing attack of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs should be on full display here. And I would be expecting the Chiefs come into this game, Andy Reid, Always good with this extra rest, good off the bye to bring his to bring his A game and for this team to come fired up. But like, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy as the spread indicates, in my opinion. I don't love the total either. 44 and a half as a total for a 11 and a half point um, spread. Um, that, that there isn't enough points in there to make it easy to cover the 11 and a half. You, there's an implied, you know, ass whipping there where the Chiefs um, limit the the ability of, of the Titans to score at all to get to that, you know. Well, that, keep in that mind, the, the Titans are a major first-half team. The vast majority of the points scored by this Tennessee Titans team is coming in the first half. They hardly are scoring any points late in the games. Um, and Andy Reid is 20-3 and three following a bye week in the regular season. Uh, now, that's straight up. ATS with the Chiefs, he's only 5-4 and four, uh, ATS. But the Titans have done well against this team. And, and, you know, if you're looking to back the Titans, obviously history shows like you might want to do that in the first half spread as opposed to the full game spread because of how they score their points. Um, and because of the fact that if you are starting Malik Willis and if you are down by eight to 10 points at halftime, the odds that you can rely on your game plan of continuing to run the football if it got you in a deficit is, is, is less likely to happen at the end of the game, right? We saw prime example was that Thursday night game with the Eagles versus the Texans. The beginning of the game, the score is 0-0. You're not losing. You can run the football. And as long as you can put up a few points in the first half and don't give up like super quick touchdowns and dig yourself in a huge hole, you're going to be able to run the football. As soon as you fall behind by enough, then now all of a sudden the Texans can't run the football. The time is too valuable. You got to throw it. And that's when you know, Davis Mills, he throws his interceptions. They aren't, he takes his sacks. He's not able to keep the offense on pace. And so if, if the Titans in the first half are able to run, I see this game being a lot closer. If they fall behind recipe for disaster for that to fall off the rails late in the game. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's, it's, it's a stay away. It was worth sort of going through 
besides. Um, but I, that's another one where I just don't have a, a conviction one way or the other. Let's get into like the juicy meat of this weird week nine, which is, you know, into the underdog discussion we have a handful of teams in the, in what's been that sweet spot um the 66 percent success rate at that you know between three and a half up up to 10 including my beloved c words now i am not going to bet this game but there are so many juicy angles to this this is the return well well i want to i want to interrupt you you go go through this game but i want you to sell me on something like I want this to be, I want this to be like the Joe House sells Warren on his best bet of the week. So talk to me about the well, C words because you C know words. this, you know this team intimately. I'll give you some <laughs> feedback on this game, but then I want to hear you sell me on some shit. Well, I, I will do it. I have a couple games that I like, but I wanted to make sure, like, it's not every week that here in Washington D.C. an, an announcement comes out that the 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 you know. The Red Lucifer, who's been sitting on top of this franchise and putting his Red Lucifer butt cheeks on top of all of us fans here, our beloved Washington football team for 25 years has suffered under the fetid state and fetid stench that this gentleman has deposed upon us, imposed upon us. The team is for sale, Warren Sharp. The team is for sale. So, yes, we're going to talk about this. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Kirk Cousins, do you like that, (laughs) is here in town at the same time that we have this absolutely wonderful, now I have to, to keep my emotions in check, possibility. I'll call it just the P word, a possibility for the C words, the P word for the C words. We could have a new owner. There could be a new regime. There could be hope around the corner for all the fans of the Washington professional football team. They are three and a half point underdogs against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, who I don't believe in, uh, haven't believed in hardly at all, other than at the beginning of the season when I played them to win the NFC North, which I feel very good about. Uh, in terms of the actual performance on the field, um, still leave a little bit to be desired. I'm going to go ahead and play like the tiniest amount, but this is not one that I have a conviction on for my, for my C words. I like the extra hook, the half point for Washington. I think Washington there. It's obvious. We talked about this when Heineke came in, there is a comfort zone between Heineke and Scott Turner and, you know, the weapons that Washington possesses on the offensive side is the unleashing of Terry McLaurin, which is wonderful. And speaking of unleashing the version of the defensive line that we've been hoping for, for, you know, 15 to 20 games is finally coming to fruition. And there has been some slight adjustments in the secondary, including William Jackson. I shared earlier in the season some rumors of discontent here in Washington. And a lot of what I was hearing was really uh, from the secondary unit and particularly from William Jackson, who was never a fit here. And for whatever reason, whether it was him or Del Rio, they couldn't get on the same page and use him to the max uh, of his potential. I don't know, you know, how to handicap what to expect out of the Vikings. Their pass offense is so good. And the secondary for Washington remains a work in progress, but I do like the pressure that I think the Washington C words will bring to the table. That's my assessment and my cap of the game, Mr. Warren Sharp. Joe, do you think Washington has a chance to win? Yes, I do. 
Okay, so why aren't you betting them plus three? There's two. It's too fraud. It's my team. It's three and a half, isn't it? Three and a half, or is it going down to three it's, already? It's, it's gone down to three because I, we missed the hook. Well, some people might have missed the hook. <laughs> not, 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 not yours truly. But, but that's what I'm asking you. Um, you, you think they got a chance to win? All you can ask for is a dog with a chance to win. That's a good bet. I tell said me, I'm tell me sprinkle. what is like the one sprinkle. or two things. What is one or two things that you is keeping you off of betting Washington? It's just too much going on. Like I wake up to the news that the team is is for sale. Like that's a, like the the biggest red flag out there in terms of okay, like so, wagering the, in a specific week. But 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 that how does that if you you went on it about doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, Scott Turner and and <laughs> yeah, Taylor Heineke got this right. connection, and they're yes. y- you think they're just sitting back and like reading all the no. listening to all the talk shows and no. the radio and trying to figure out who's going to buy the team, what's going to happen to their job in like three years when some Definitely new owner not. takes. Okay, so I don't I don't see how that. If anything, to me, if anything to me, this helps the team because the team knows that they are now on display for potentially a new ownership group. Their head coaches, their coaching staff knows that they're trying to go out there and potentially impress a new owner, or if they get fired for new owners, impress somebody else who might hire them. So I I don't feel like the coaching staff is going to be like, oh, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of distractions here with this that they don't have any, any role in, don't have any control over, don't do anything with, have no involvement with. Like that that floating around in the fog above their heads is going to make them want to care less about coaching this game. I think it's only going to help magnify the importance of this game to them. I totally agree with you. So I see no distraction distraction is me. I'm distracted. I'm the one. I can't get my head around it. it. That's all. Got it. Okay. So for, for me, I look at this the way I like to handicap a lot of road teams that take their show, pack up the tent, drive the circus to some other town and go to set up is is a quarterback going to get any support from the ground game here playing on the road? And then when he does have to drop back to pass, is the quarterback going to get some protection from his offensive line? Two of the biggest things, and I know they're not the sexy things, right? You're going to talk about this wide receiver one against that DB and like the passing attack here. To me, it still starts with, are you going to have any support on the ground? And can you get protection when you pass? And the concern I have for the Minnesota Vikings in both cases is I've got my fears. You've got Washington. They rank number three in pressure rate since week three of the season. They're getting pressure on 37% of opposing quarterback dropbacks. You look at who the Vikings have played since week three. I'll start with the most recent team first, which is the Arizona Cardinals, number 22. Miami Dolphins before that, number 21. Chicago Bears, number 28. New Orleans Saints, number 31. Detroit Lions, number 26. Nobody even above 21. Okay, now you're going up against number three. That is a problem. I think Washington is going to be able to get some pressure on your old boyfriend, Kirk. Okay, so that's number one. <laughs> Not number my boyfriend. <laughs> number two is, can they run the football? And two things I'm worried about. Number one, the commanders, the Seawards run defense has been very good at slowing opponents down before they get going. They're number two in the least amount of yards before contact per running back carry, which is important because you don't want that running back getting ahead of steam and running down the field. It's harder to tackle them. It's harder to prevent explosive runs. Washington's been number two in that metric. And you look at who the Vikings have played. They haven't really played anybody that ranks top 10 in that metric at all. Most of the teams that they've been playing is is, is ranks below average. Second thing is Washington 
is a top 10 defense against runs versus 11 personnel. And that's basically all that Minnesota does is they spread the field in 11 and they like to run. Dalvin Cook does so much better running from 11 personnel. Yet look at the defense's ranking in runs versus 11 personnel that the Minnesota Vikings have played this season. Number 29, number 28, number 26, number 24, number 22, number 20, and number eight. Okay, once again, nobody above number 20 in this case, except for one team. You know who that was? The Miami Dolphins. And how did that game go? Teddy Bridgewater starting, gets knocked out after one play. Skylar Thompson comes in, has to finish the game. The Minnesota Vikings are still not able to pull away at all. And most importantly, as it relates to this point I'm trying to drive home, in the first 56 minutes of that game, Dalvin Cook had nine rushing attempts and only gained 17 yards on mm. nine rushing attempts mm. against the number eight defense versus 11 personnel. 1.9 yards per carry, 11% success. He then goes and breaks off like a 53-yard run with three minutes and 25 seconds left in the game, scores a touchdown. They end up winning the game. It's a close margin, though. It's not more than a one-score victory. And it looks statistically like, oh, man, I think he had like 80-some rushing yards or close to it. But the reality was well, uh, the Dolphins held him down tremendously in that game. This game is going to come down to, does Washington's defense live up to the billing and the statistics that they've produced year to date? And can Heineke and his connection and stuff going on with Scott Turner... Can they do well enough here? Because I do think the Vikings defense is a little bit overrated. I personally liked Washington at plus three and a half. Thought it was too much for Minnesota to be laying on the road. I love the fact that they're six and one and everybody's scared of them. We know that their home field advantage is massive. They leave that building. Washington doesn't have a good home field advantage, but at least it's not a game in Minnesota with that crowd noise and that familiarity. You now have to go on the road. You lose a little bit of that. And I don't think they should be laying three and a half here. Well, it is also, let's not forget, if there's any quarterback in the entire NFL that is, you know, uh, possibly susceptible to, you know, d disfavored circumstances, it is Kirk Cousins. I mean, the guy can only play from one o'clock to three forty-five in the afternoon Central Time in a dome in Minnesota. Anything outside of that, we don't trust him. We're not going to invest in him. I do like that. Okay, I'm in. I, I mean, you know, I, I have to buy the hook now because I, I missed out on it, but. Uh, the the way take, that we just take just take the three. Don't just buy take the, the three. Okay. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house, everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. So I convinced you of that one. I want yes. you to give me your best shot. You convince me of one right now. You take your turn. What do you like the most <laughs> this week? Here's the thing. This slate has three teams in a spot that I like, that I'm now okay. convinced is the spot. And we talked about this at the top of the show, but it requires you investing in, in a stinky, stinky, stinky dog. The That's three fine. teams that I'm looking at that I'm interested in are the Indianapolis Colts on the road in New England. That's a terrible set of circumstances. I don't like it. I, I don't, uh, uh, I can't come up with a great explanation for why the Colts um, will be competitive. I think they'll be competitive. 
the Detroit Lions at home against the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, uh, uh, you know, on its own losing streak, two teams on losing streaks in a division matchup that Green Bay Packers have owned for, you know, feels like decades, but at least the last decade, as long as Aaron Rodgers has been around. But I love Detroit getting three and a half points at home under these circumstances. The Miami Dolphins are on the road for another week up in the in the um, middle of the country. You know, they they handled their business uh, last week against Detroit, uh, but only a, a four point win. Now they're they're at Chicago and, you know, a Chicago team. Who are they? What are they doing? What's their goal? Two consecutive weeks of trading, you know, st- defensive stalwarts. Uh, and yet. I really like Chicago getting the four and a half points of those three stinky dogs, those stinky situations. The bears are my favorite. Um, and you know, I, I, I just think it's a very tough circumstance for Miami. Now, look, this is, this is what you're putting yourself up against. If you're, if you're choosing to, to, to go with the bears, uh, and, and taking on Tua, who's five and zero when he gets the majority of the stab, snaps for the dolphins, Ben Solak has a story up today at the ringer.com about Jalen Waddle, about Tyree kill, about the unicorn nature of those two and their symbiosis, the relationship that they've built with, with Tua. Uh, and yet, I think that the Bears, especially on offense, are showing us something that, you know, the the the, the Justin Fields revival story is well on its way. Now, here is the biggest reason, Warren Sharp, why I like the Bears in this circumstance. It's a tale of two teams. They on the road, the Bears have a bad defense. They're 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 uh, bottom half DVOA. They give up too much on the on the ground. They give up too much passing wise. But when they are at home, seventh best at home. The defense, uh, uh, very good in in second halves. And Miami, remember the way that they've been able to to run out to the to the success that they've had has included these home games where in the second half they've taken advantage of the weather situation that they, that they they have now. I don't like the flux in the in the Bears defense, but I do like getting the five and a half points in this circumstance. I'm taking the uh, the the Chicago Bears. Where, where did you hear this stat on the on the road versus the home? The defense. I I I I I can't recall. Okay, I, I just got to tell you that is the dumbest like most bogus bullshit stat that I have heard not. And I know it's not from you. So that's why I don't feel bad saying that because you saw that somewhere and you're sharing it with me, but I'm looking at the teams. All you got to do is look at their schedule. The teams that they played at home where their defense looked great. They played the Houston fucking Texans and the Washington commanders. And then they played the 49ers in a monsoon. Okay. That's all that they've played. Like those are the three. We're talking about, two bottom five offenses in the NFL and a game in a monsoon. So I would hope that your defense looks better there than it does on the road. Now on the road, who have they played? Well, they went to London and they played the Giants. They played the Packers. They played the Vikings and they played the Patriots. Aside from the Vikings being like a frisky style offense, like the Giants I love the Giants. I love Brian Dayball. I don't need to say that every single time we record one of these podcasts, but There's no way this offense is as good 
as what their metrics indicate. It's all because of coaching that this offense metrically looks as good as it is. This is not a, that good of an offense right now. And then the Green Bay Packers, I mean, we've seen what the Packers are, the reality of the of what the Packers is it's not a it's not a top 10 offense right now. So um I mean those offenses are better than who they've played at home. But like anybody try anybody citing a statistic saying that well the home road splits for the Bears are so great and so they're playing at home, so they're gonna be great, like that's disingenuous that's disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Uh and at any rate, so I, I I do take issue with that point. Oh, they also played the, the Dallas Cowboys on the road last week. So, of course, like, you know, the Cowboys offense with Dak, it's going to look better. So they're going to naturally have these splits. It is kind of crazy, though, in reading all of that out, that we're in week nine, and they've played one, two, three, four, five games on the road, a.k.a. not at home. I know the 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 game over in London technically is a road game as well, but that wasn't truly on the road. It was away from home um, because it wasn't in the road stadium and they've only played three at home. So this will be their fourth. So from that perspective, I do like the fact that the bears get their fourth home game here in week nine, but they're playing a dolphins offense that is quite good. And this is the first time at home that they've played an offense that ranks better than bottom five. That's not going to be played in an absolute monsoon. They thought that there might be some weather here. The weather is cleared out. It's looking pretty good. I don't know the exact wind speeds. You want to check that, but um, in terms of rain and that type of thing, which was looking bad early. And so if you were paying attention to the line movement, this game got bet down early towards the under when some of the early weather sleuths were on the case and thought that they uncovered the fact that this might be a rainy day. And the reality is it's it's not. And so another group came in and bet this thing over. And now people that bet the under are sitting on a a gross ticket uh, because of the, they thought the weather was going to be bad. Um, I don't have anything on this game. I mean, all of that said, I, I don't have anything <laughs> on this game. Like I, I'm not laying at the points with the Miami Dolphins here. Um, it's going to come down to the fact that I like the way that they are coaching this Bears team right now. There's no better play, more efficient play in the NFL right now than having a quarterback drop back to pass the ball, making one read, seeing it's not there, and seeing a line, an opening in his offensive line, and then taking that. Any any runs due to quarterback runs due to open run lanes are awesome and highly efficient and the best play in football. I've been talking about this for over a year now. And the fact that Justin Fields is doing that a fairly high amount at a high rate, rather, that's going to help this team a lot. So I hope that they continue doing that. I do wonder how this defense is going to look against the Miami Dolphins offense when they've gotten rid of their two best players on that side of the football and now have to tangle with the Dolphins. But here's the thing about the Dolphins. As great as Mike McDaniel is, I I just don't know that he's stepping on the gas pedal the right way. You know, like, Mm. like that gas pedal... You got to leave your house as you're headed to work. And like the most important 10 minutes of your commute is the first 10 minutes of your commute. Like if, if you're not beating the traffic and the lights and timing it perfectly, and you're leaving with everybody else getting shoved into that stream of traffic headed downstream, and you're going slow in those first 10 minutes and those aren't efficient, like you're going to be fucked later on in your commute just because the traffic's going to be far worse at that point in time. Anybody who lives in the suburbs and drives into the city like I did for years understands my pain. 
when you are fucking nailing those first 10 minutes and you're beating the lights and all of a sudden you're to like the 10 minute mark in your trip, but you're actually like what usually takes you maybe 15 minutes into your commute. And you're like, man, I'm already here. I only have this much further to go. And all the traffic is lighter down. It's just so much easier. And that's the same way with football. Like you got to jump out to a lead. You got to have that gas pedal floored to start the game, build that lead and make the final little stretch of this journey. The last little bit, a lot easier. And the dolphins, you know, they got into a 14 to nothing hole. Uh, they, they, they couldn't shut out. They had a couple of nice drives against the Miami Dol- uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers the week before that, once they got Tua back. And they had a couple of nice drives. They scored a touchdown, then they kicked a field goal. And then like after that, it's just like, you know, we're letting the Steelers hang around, hang around. We're not really, like, you've got to floor that thing and you got to build that lead. And then you can coast at, in, in the fourth quarter. And I don't know that the Dolphins know how to do that yet. And that's the frustration because I think this is one of the better offenses in the NFL and they should be able to do that against this Bears defense. But I don't know if they're going to. Well, now I want to ask you a question because the game that I wanted to plow everything um, in my entire bankroll for this week, everything I have allocated week nine is Seattle. And Seattle has been so good to us. Seattle going on the road as an underdog to Arizona, a team that they beat three weeks ago, beat handily. They showed us a revelation on on, on defense. They they should they they had four uh, uh, fourth down combination of stops, turnovers. They they could have won that game. They won by double digits. It could have been by more. They won nineteen to nine, and they were just inefficient th- themselves. But I can't get my head around what the uh, justification is for Seattle as an underdog in this circumstance. I mean, part of my allure, part of why I love this game, part of the allure is Kingsbury's record as a favorite, Kingsbury at home, Arizona at home, going up against Pete Carroll, who has a stellar record as as an underdog, stellar record as an underdog in the division, stellar record in in the division. I don't understand the circumstances under which Arizona is favored. It opened, I think, at like... Arizona by two and a half, and now it's all the way down to, to one and a half, and it might end up even even lower as the weekend gets going here. Help me understand what the uh, rationale is for Arizona as a favorite, and help me understand why, uh, I mean, I, I haven't really fired on it because it, it, it makes me nervous. The biggest difference is obviously Hopkins' return. And, you know, uh, Arizona is getting healthy on offense. Uh, Rondell Moore, you know, back, ready to rock and roll. Um, but I, I don't, I, I, I can't understand what's going on with, with the way this is lined. The main issue, you just hit the nail on the head. Um, Arizona last week played a Vikings team, and that was not a blowout. The Cardinals were in that game, and the Vikings are 6-1, and one, and the Vikings have a really good home field advantage. So now that Arizona is going back home, quote unquote, home field advantage for them. And they've got DeAndre Hopkins, you know, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that people look back at that last game that they played against Seattle. And yes, it looks like a 19 to nine victory, double digits, whatever for the Seahawks. But the reality is Arizona had a lot of drives down into the red zone or fringe red zone where they went for it on fourth down because they didn't trust their kicker at the time. And then they ended up turning the ball over on downs. They could have had a lot more points. And I think a lot of semi-sharp bettors, as well as some of the betting groups, look at that type of stuff. And they say, you know, look, team A could have scored this many points 
they ended up having two, three things go wrong for them. It completely flipped that game on its head. It's a great spot to buy low because other people who are just looking at the scoreboard aren't taking those things into consideration. So, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. Um, no, the Seahawks should not be favored here. Even if the Seahawks are like slightly better than the than the Cardinals, like from a power ratings perspective, a home field advantage perspective, the fact that just the fact alone that Seattle is not playing in their home stadium, which does have a home field advantage, the fact that they are playing away from home doesn't matter if it's in Arizona or somewhere else. Like that, that is going to hurt them more negatively than it hurts other teams around the league who don't have a home field advantage. And so, um, that's the thing with this game is, yeah, I, I do think Seattle is the better team. And so at two, I know it's easy to say, well, just pick the better team to win the game. Like that's really what it comes down to because there's not as many points here. Uh, but I don't know that I see like massive line value in this game. So I have not bet this game at all yet. I do know that there are several sharp groups that are lining up to buy low on Arizona. They saw the last game that these two teams played. It was one of Geno Smith's worst games. Um, DK was bad. Tyler Lockett was bad. The running game wasn't that efficient. And actually, if you look at this running game for the Seattle Seahawks, look, I, I, I love watching Kenneth Walker. Like, I think the dude is is fun. Beast. I like Beast. him. He's one of the more entertaining guys to have see the ball in his hands. And I've been winning a lot of bets on, on Kenneth Walker rushing props. So I like that a lot. I love that a lot. But here's the fact from Rich Rebar over at Sharp Football Analysis, my website. Uh, go ahead and mention that. Walker is dead last among all running backs with 50 or more carries in success rate per run. He's only successful on 28% of his runs. It's one of the worst in the league. Obviously, it's dead last. He is getting his yards by random occasional explosives, right? Like big busted out runs that he's getting 50, 60, 40 yards on. Other than that, he's not very successful. And the problem that I've seen from Seattle, the first few weeks of the season, it was like, let Gino cook. Gino's earned our trust. We should let Gino throw the ball more. We And, and they really were pass heavy. And over the last three weeks, they've really leaned more into the run now that Walker has evolved and like, oh, he can do more for us. And I don't know that I love that philosophy, right? Like, because Walker is not successful enough, as we're just showing. The O-line isn't successful enough to do that consistently, and they're trying to lean into it more, and I don't like that strategy. So there's just a couple of reasonings why, like, you shouldn't just run to bet, oh my God, the bookmaker made a complete mistake. This line is so wrong. Like, that's not really the case here. Um it's not saying I'm betting Arizona like the other sharp groups. I'm just sharing that alternative perspective. Yeah, and I posed the question to you because I couldn't really ma make sense out of it. But, you know, a bunch of those factors make sense. I am going to definitely feature the Seattle Seahawks getting the one and a half in a teaser leg. I mean, I'm just announcing it. It is uh, a, a, a classic teaser leg. Let's see, though, what other opportunities may be out there. I know you put it out to the Twitter sphere. Let's see what the betting buddies have to say. Let's see if there's any good uh, uh, action out here for us to, to fire upon. Okay, we sent out the tweet and asked for your favorite bets. And House, like usual, it looks like we got, I think, 65 replies. So last week, it didn't go so well. 
for the recommended bet. <laughs> who who was that? What was the bet? We don't have to name the name, but what was yeah. the bet? I mean, you you announced at the top, you'll either be famous or infamous if I pick your your, your bet. It was, that was the uh, Cowboys team total under, I think it was like 26 and a half, maybe. Uh, they were home against the Bears. The Bears uh, defense had been holding teams to under 27 points for the most part this season. That bet lost in the first half, which meant, you know, it was kind of fun to chuckle about it. I can't recall. I know that our producer has the information and the good folks at FanDuel are indeed stepping up. I'm pleased Ooh. to report. We're extending that the, the, there will be swag bags from the FanDuel oh, folks yes. coming to, to whoever we, we, we pick over the course of this. The production team is tracking you down. Uh, the handful of folks that we've, we've run with this concept with thus far. Um, but yeah, Sharpie, we, we didn't hit it last week, but we, there's hope springs eternal. We have many weeks left to go here. Yeah. So let's, let's roll. We got, we got swag for you guys. So send in your very best so that you can convince house that he should pick it. And if he picks it and it wins, you get your prize. So let's go through some of these house. I'll just read a few. You can look at a few and see what you like. Um, Ravens minus two and a half. Rams, Bucks over 42 and a half. Um, Travis Etienne over 21 and a half receiving yards. Uh, we've got Vikings minus three or Dolphins minus four. We actually talked the opposite about both of those. Sorry, Carlos <laughs> stats. Um, I don't think we're going to be going with either of those. Uh, Kenneth Walker, we just talked about him over 73 and a half rushing yards. The Commanders plus three, we like it. We see a couple of those. Um, we can't choose it because we already talked about it, but nice work, Jayco. Shout you out there. Um, let's see. Anything anything jumping out to you from what I've shared or as you're scrolling through? We do have a Bengals-Seahawks teaser. You already talked about wanting to tease the Seahawks. Oh, they wanted to pair the, the Saints in there as well. Uh, um, well, uh, if, if they didn't have the Saints in there, that Bengals-Seahawks teaser is literally on a piece of paper that I have written down here that has su some appeal i don't okay. i'm worried about that that saints baltimore game i'm worried on both sides of it i mean honestly the appeal to me really is the saints getting uh, you know teased up to eight and a half because of the back tour potential because of of you know um what we saw out of the saints last week I, if if you believe that the version of the saints we saw last week with their defense against las vegas pitching a, a, a shutout um, and Derek Carr being forced to the bench. If that's the version of the Saints that we're going to get, plus they looked like just very dynamic on offense. I just, we've gotten so much Jekyll and Hyde out of really both teams. Like, can you trust Baltimore with a, with a double digit lead? No. Well, maybe I'm talking myself into this one. What are the odds for this, for this little three, three team? Oh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a three team teaser. So the, the odds yeah, are set. If you're, if so, you're three, team teasing you should be getting at least plus 160 there are certain offshores that give you plus 180 if you're getting less than plus 160 you're not getting good odds on that three team teaser and and we know like as teasers have become more popular that some spots like screw you and don't give you as good a line so bottom line shop where you're getting good odds that's all i can uh, that's all i can say without well, naming any names Everybody knows that I like to get exotic on this podcast and, you know, we're having fun. Don't, don't take, you know, two thirds of your bankroll and put it on a stupid three leg 
teaser, but the, the more that we, I think this through and, and talk about it, because the Bengals is another spot. That's a situation where they look so bad on Monday night against the Browns. That man, that Browns uh, defensive front was formidable. I wish the Browns were playing this week. I'm so ready to get on the Browns. Uh, but um, I like the Bengals. It, it, it's a tough spot for Carolina after the the way that they lost last week. Uh, I, I admire Carolina for for hanging in there. I mean, that was one of the games we talked about was Carolina Atlanta, and and I liked Atlanta laying. You know, it went from six down to four and a half, and the, Atlanta was poised to win that game until really the last play of the game. PJ Walker threw what is it, sixty five air yards or whatever it was. Uh, to more and you know the unfortunate penalty and we don't need to relive it but uh, I think it's a tough spot for Carolina and I like the Bengals at home just laying the point okay bottom line screw that kicker like you want to talk uh, about like the DJ Moore screw the kicker make a damn extra point it's a few right. yards back like it's a fucking free play right like nobody's blocking those things just fucking stand there and line it up and use your leg that's what your talent is and make that. Otherwise, make the field goal in overtime and win make the fucking the field game goal and overtime. be the hero. Like that's right. We, we were getting on DJ Moore for taking. And I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast yesterday when he was talking uh, with Peter Schrager about like that. Actually, maybe shouldn't even been a penalty because he technically wasn't even in the end zone. He was at the right. back of the end zone, like in in this in the uh, space between the end zone and the crowd, and that's not supposed to be a flag. So, um, fuck the ref. Fuck the kicker, <laughs> yeah. DJ Moore. Well, and, and unfortunately, F the poor Panthers this week because I am doing this three-leg teaser. <laughs> so, and, okay, that's that's what you're rolling with. I can tell you the Bengals are very sharp. The Bengals are a very sharp side. Um, I've seen some guys, they, they, they have it at six and a half because they bought a half point. I see some guys that laid the full seven. I am not going to be on that bandwagon. I am not going to be. I'm not mm. calling for an outright upset. But I am not going to be on that bandwagon. There are things that I am seeing in this matchup. I do not have confidence in Zach Taylor figuring out how to stop this uh, Panthers pass rush and correcting his offensive line issues on short rest. And they have not played hardly anybody that gets pressure for most of the season. Last week, they played a very good Browns pass rush that got after him. Joe Burrow is the most sensitive quarterback to pressure in the entire NFL this year. The most sensitive splits with, without, drastically there's a massive chasm like a grand canyon of space between how he looks with pressure versus without pressure and the panthers are slightly above average in their pressure rate i think that they might be able to get some pressure here um i also think that they're going to be good enough against the run because the Bengals have not played very many good run defenses and the panthers run defense actually playing pretty good football right now so it is going to come down to what you said can pj walker do it. Can PJ Walker get it done offensively? Can PJ Walker do what it takes on offense? I don't, I don't know if he can or not, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I, all I'm doing, all I'm willing to invest in is the Bengals by winning by, by a point. So we'll tease Seattle up to, to seven and a half or eight, whatever your best number is. And we'll tease the saints up to eight and a half, three leg teaser. That's King Yimmy at Yimmy's burner. Uh, <laughs> giving us that one. I, since I'd already had two of those legs pulled together, I'm, I'm not uh, afraid of firing on the third with that Saints team. I think that Saints team has underperformed this year, and I think the metrics kind of support the, the, that underperformance. Sharpie, that's all I got for you. What, what do you got for us? 
Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Ringer Gambling Show. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in as usual. The Ringer Gambling Show is back on Sunday when Raheem shares his top five picks. Be sure to stay tuned to the Ringer Gambling feed all week long as we continue to have great content for you on every single sport. Thanks again to Joe House for joining me. Thanks for your guys' submissions. Let's hope that we win this week and we can send out the swag bag from FanDuel. Uh, Thanks to Mike Wargon and Steve Cerruti for producing this episode. Good luck with your bets this weekend. We'll talk to you next week.